This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestyle Radio. Live review show. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Hello and welcome to Homestead Radio. My name is Chris Hamling and I'm your host as we return to your ears for a new season. Tonight the panel will look at how the team is shaping up with just one week to go until the season starts. With the transfer window closing at the end of the month, what ins and outs will we see? How has Frank de Burr settled in and are we confident or terrified of the season ahead? We'll attempt to answer those questions and more. We'll end with an exclusive chat with renowned Palace photographer, High Money. On with the show. So my panel today are Mr. Jell Holyoke. Hello. Hello. Good to have you on the airwaves. I said airwaves. It's mostly podcast, isn't it? But yeah, it's sort of airwaves. Anyway, I've distracted myself very early on. Nick Philpot is also here. Hi, Nick. Here we go. 2017 and 18 season. We're off. Oh, it's exciting. It's all new. New Homestar Radio. Better Homestar Radio. Bigger, better, faster and other things that are good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were going to be joined by Mr. Patrick O'Connor, but due to some confusion, he is getting on a bit, isn't he? So um, he's unable to join us, unfortunately. However, um, I think we're more than enough for the listeners to cope with. Don't want to hurt them too early on, you know, with a with too too big a lineup. But I I think he booked a tee off time. That's what I think. Yeah, he's trying to blame it onto a put it onto a family <laughs> commitment yeah absolutely right it's I hope just... you're in the ball well patrick that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> what i see has been yeah. a shame oh. yes i know yeah, he's playing well anyway so uh where to start really guys well let's let's talk we've had um you know at the time of, of, of speaking we've finished our pre-season and we've only had what i consider to be four first team games really which i'm not sure it feels enough, um, particularly after the final one against Schalke, where there were lots of positive signs. But but if I was to say, do I think we're ready for the season ahead? With just a week to go, I, I would speculate perhaps not. But uh, first game we played um, was out in the, uh, the the tournament in Asia, where we lost two 0 to Liverpool. But it was a it was a half decent performance. Um, then we went and played very well against West Brom where you had 
uh, Frank DeBerg's first taste of Tony Pulis. So I want to stop there if I might. And um, Joe, Zaha kicked all over the place. And, and one of your favourite things that you've, you've brought to people's attention many times on the show, they were taking it in turns to kick him. Going to be like that all season, isn't it? Well, I mean, firstly, we had a Premier League referee in charge stay. And, I mean, it was almost WWF at times. I, I just... I just hope that he gets the recognition that he deserves, as in stats that have been put out. You know, he's only a couple. Was he third in take-ons last season in European football? Yeah, was it only Ronaldo? Oh, I can't remember. And Neymar? And Neymar, yeah, he was ahead yeah. of Messi, wasn't he? So I, I just, I just, um, I just hope he gets the protection. I don't, I, I don't know whether De Boer being a, a bigger name and 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 if he's got any influence or because I, I, I just personally now I do believe that everything is about you know about who you are in the Premier League the bigger you are the, the more the more favours you get the more protection you get so I'm hoping the ball coming in and you know and, and maybe having a word with referees it might it might resonate with some it didn't look like it today I mean there was some you know I'll not say shocking they didn't hurt him but they just they just stopped him and it, it was just it was annoying more than anything. It, it, it was it was so predictable after the you know I, I was saying earlier you know um, if Wilf's going to run at you you can't you can't just kick him every you can't just kick him every single time. There's got to be some protection. It happens at the big clubs. It's got to happen now. Yeah, no, that's, I, I completely agree. Um, obviously, he is our, our main threat. He's a he's a he's you know he's a superstar now. He's he's approaching the sort of, well, I don't know about the peak of his powers, but he's he's as good as, as he's ever been right now. Uh, he's learned an awful lot over the last few seasons. And um, it'd be interesting to see how De Boer takes him on, because De Boer's not shy about about talking about him. He talked about him in the same breath as Neymar, uh, you know, a, a few weeks back. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to see someone who's got the pedigree of Frank De Boer, who's come in and immediately recognised just what he's got on, on, on his hands there in Zaha. Nick, um Talking, going back to to the manager and, and the point I was making a, a minute ago, that he had his first taste of, of how some teams might play in the Premier League with that that game against West Brom, where we out footballed West Brom, but they kicked us all over the park, in particularly Wilf. And you saw really strong comments from De Boer after that game, which I really enjoyed. But does that show a little bit of um, I don't know about naivety, but he's he certainly he's going to learn about the Premier League very quickly, isn't he? Well, a couple of things there. First off, the um, as far as I'm concerned, the season can end right now. Now we've put one over on Poulis. I couldn't give a toss what happens for the rest of the season, really. Um, going back to what Jill was just saying about uh, De Boer's influence, it was I thought it was really encouraging that for literally straight after the game, he was talking about, hang on a minute, uh, if, is this what Premier teams are like? Like West Brom, they're kicking the, the star players. You can't do that in modern day football and it's got to be addressed. To find him actually saying something about it, literally seconds after that West Brom game, I thought that was a real, real encouragement. And, you know, let's hope he does bring some influence to it. Well, an absolute lack of class from Pulis as well to be doing that in a... Um... In a in a, a pre season game as well, you know. Okay, well, you've got cla- to treat. He's, cl- he's classless anyway, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. But just for, for further proof, you know. I, I suppose you could be really cynical and say that you know he's he's trying not just to to win that game and nullify the threat of Zaha, but you know they were 
some of the challenges that went in on him were trying to put him out for the season. You know, it's it was disgusting to watch. And um, like I say, I think that's going to be a feature of this season if, we, if we're talking about previewing the season ahead. It's that battle between Wilf and the entire opposition. How do they handle him? You know, if you you've got to be honest, if you're an opposition manager and you look at Wilfred Zaha, there are times where it doesn't matter how good your defence is and who's up against him, or sometimes how many of your defences up against him, he's going to beat you. So you know, teams have to come up with a way of dealing with that. And at the moment, all they're all coming up with, even in friendlies, every single team, they are, the answer they're coming up with is kick him, kick him early, kick him before he can break away, you know, pull him back before he explodes away with that power and that pace. Um, and really that, you know, as I say, that's going to be for me the, the main feature of this season. And it would just be very interesting to see how not only referees, but how our management and, and you know, deals with that and whether the media highlights it. Yes, I think that's right. Because he, um, even if you look at the day, the, the Chalka game, the quality of the opposition was high, yet they still struggled to deal with him and his pace driving at them. And of course, you know, with Loftus cheek as well, because I think that's going to be a, Pivotal to our, the success of our season, both of them driving at their defence. And all they could do is put him on the floor, put him on the floor. And, you know, it's frustrating already, even in a pre-season friendly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anything to add on that, Joe? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say, um, it, is, it is frustrating, like I say, that he's, that, that that you know, throughout the four games, that he has just literally been kicked to pieces. I'd... I don't know. I really don't know how how um, how it's been allowed to carry on. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's definitely well. We're going to be talking about that a hell of a lot throughout the course of this season. But you know, plenty of positive signs very early, very very early on. That Zaha um, is going to be you know as big a player as ever, if if not more so for us this season. That's certainly going to be. Um, you know, everyone knows that much. I love Zaha. Anyone who's listened to this show knows just what I think of him and. You know, it's great, great to see him kicking on. But there's been a lot of, lot of uh, other sort of interesting performances in pre-season. Uh, Nick, you wanted to bring up a certain uh, player who's been playing for the under 23s in midfield, who's scoring a few goals. Yeah, this it's a new name. He hasn't made. He didn't quite get onto the bench today. But I went down to Maidstone and I saw this guy come off. You know, playing most of the game. He's a bit of a receding hairline a little bit, and he scored two cracking goals. And I think he's at one for the future of it. I think they called him Jordan Much. I think his name was. Hurrah! Hurrah! Hurrah for Jordan Much. <laughs> sounds uh, sounds great. Um, when I was uh, at Maidstone as well, Nick, as you know, because I was standing next to you, and uh, as you could tell with my expression during the game, I was delighted <laughs> uh, to see Jordan Much in action. And as upset about some of the mean chance that were going his way um now look you know it's, it's, it's good to see uh, uh you know a guy earning his money isn't it you know in pre-season against non-league opposition it's good in it's an good under stuff. 23 game and he's got and he's got more or less, he's got well he's got fractionally more hair than you have he, only just yeah he's a lot younger so it makes me feel a bit happy um it, joking aside, like, and I know, Joe, you've you've defended Jordan much quite a lot for some bizarre reason I've no idea what's wrong with you but um you know if if he could take, it was great. He was well, not great, but he was a strong performer last preseason as well. You know, maybe he should treat the season like it's preseason. Some some might argue he does, but you know, the guy went on loan to to Reading, and I know a lot of Reading fans because I work in Reading, and um, they were delighted in game one. They thought we'd we'd given him a, a, a really good player, um, and by 
his final game with them when he wasn't even in the match day squad. Uh, they were thoroughly sick of the guy. You know, he's clearly got an awful lot of ability there. They're, you know, I've joked, I've called him rubbish and all this sort of stuff in the past, but I actually, you know, I don't genuinely believe that. I think that he's clearly got ability. It's just something wrong. The application, the mentality, whatever it is, it's not wrong. But, you know, that's that's an example of someone, I'll be honest, I, I don't really want a, a, this football club. And it's a shame that, you know, as we'll get into throughout the course of this chat, you know, we might see other players go where, just because there are no takers for Jordan much, where really that's that's a squad place it'd be lovely to clear. Anything on that, Joe? <laughs> I think he must have... Has he gone? No, I'm still here. <laughs> composing myself. <laughs> um, well, nah, it's fair enough. It's just... gone fishing. It's gone fishing. I've gone fishing, it. but you're not buying it. It's too early in the, too early in the season. There'll be plenty of time for a shower on each I, other. I'm, I... Listen, I, I don't understand the hate. I mean, I know over the last four years we've had certain players come in, and and they literally have had just just connected with immediate hate. I mean, literally a, abuse, and and he seems to be one. I mean, I've, there are players that have coasted, let's say, and and not produced, um, and got. A lot less, a lot less, and and there, and there have been others that have just been literally been shipped out. Um, yeah, it's I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but nice. you know we we don't run the club, we just support it, and and like some fans, we we you know we try and try and put up with it to a certain point. Yeah, it's, you know, again, that's that word supporter, isn't it? Everyone tries, to, well, most people I know try to be positive and try to actually in, enjoy the game and try to enjoy the experience of being a, a Palace fan. There's a lot of, um, and, and we'll get into that, there's a lot of talk about... Can you enjoy la- being a Palace fan? Yeah, I think you can. If you're able to laugh at adversity <laughs> sometimes, you know, it, I think if you go back to last season, and I think it's important we say this, I think at one point last season we were sick of doing this show. We just every week we just felt like it was the same. We're talking about the same problems. That, you know, particularly uh, the latter stages of Pardew's reign. Uh, it was just it was absolutely horrific having to do this every week because you know we were browbeaten when it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know, we talk about Palace. We've always been the you know, the roller coaster, the yo yo. It's very rare that we actually are just awful for a long period of time, and that. So I would I would say Joe, an answer to you know, can, can you enjoy it? Only if we, you know, only if we don't lose every week. And, um, but, so you know, how upbeat you feel about this season? I this I was going to ask the question. Not do we feel fully prepared? But you kind of you kind of jumped in there, which is great. So um, I'm optimistic. And I'm also very worried. And let me let me tell you why I've got those two uh, contradictory sort of states of mind with Palace. I look at what De Boer is doing in terms of the system, um, the, the style of play, and how quickly he's got the players believing in that. And I'm really encouraged. I love it. You hear uh, Wilf talking in, in interviews about how great he feels about the new system and the new manager. Um, players are just sort of uh, I never thought you could change a style and change a philosophy that quickly we've been told you can't Alan Pardew said that we can't <laughs> so you know uh, on that side of things I think it's great I think he seems to have pulled everyone together and, and we're working to a common goal and the messages are getting across which was my biggest concern when we appointed DeBoer was how long would it actually take to make that transition but on the flip side I've watched today um, against Schalke and 
we're for me we're three or four pre-season games away from saying right off we go we're ready for the season because we're still trying out players in positions we're still trying out Milivojevic in a back three we're still trying out Lokilo in in the sort of right-sided 10 slash right right forward role we're we're still trying Townsend as a right wing back you know and and whilst there are people who look great Ruben Loftus-Cheek is one and we'll come back to that I I don't think that I haven't got any idea what, what, what lineup and what formation and what style we're going to pick for the first game of the season against Huddersfield. And I think, whilst you don't want to know everything, I think as a fan in the last pre-season game of the season, I should have some idea. And I sort of agree with that because you've got, um, I think what they've been concentrating and he, uh, the manager actually spoke about it in his post-match interview today, that he's, they've been concentrating on fitness and he said that he thought the squad does look fit. But what we're blatantly clear on so far that uh, we've got more business to do. And it's classic example that we're, whilst we are in transition and they're all learning a new system, I'm a, you know, and I'm not negative about it at all. I'm absolutely positive about the new season. I am a little bit unsure about when we bring a new player in and we're going to do some more business before the end of the season, how, he's going to, how quickly he's going to gel the new players into the new system. Um, Pardew said we, we were in transition. Well, we seem to be in transition for all, all the time that he was there. The new manager's coming and stated quite clearly, we're playing three at the back, okay? And that's what that's how we're going to play. But how is he going to mould the new players that are yet to be bought into the new system, ready for the new season? Bearing in mind the transfer window does close whatever it is three weeks after the start of the new season. Yeah, valid questions. And, and of course, I think a, a criticism thrown by a lot of people at the transfer business is, it's all very well saying, yeah, the window's still open, but we're playing games. And if you're not ready for those games and you lose, you know, we lose against Huddersfield. There's going to be absolute carnage, I'll tell you that right now. But, I mean, Joe, what about you? How do you feel with the season starting next week? Um, well, we, we've, we've got additions already, which is more than we had last year. Um, I do think that Rudeveld is, from what I've seen, the very little that I've seen, you know, watching the games. Um, but but what I saw on YouTube of him is is a huge, huge addition at the back. Yeah. You know, really has loads of time. Um, not sure how much he's going to get in the Premier League, but you know, he comes from good stock, which is you know, which is which is what we want. So it's a step in the right direction. Um, the manager's pulled out a player that he wants immediately, and Parrish has just gone and done it. So we can't really ask for more than that. Um, you know, bringing in other players is is does seem to be a, a matter of urgency. But but what I, I'm so pleased about is that instead of just going in and doing what it looked like Pardew uh, was was trying to do and just ignore the kids, he's he's given the kids. You know, you can't you don't you don't get any any better um, uh, encouragement than from a new boss comes in and goes right. You you know you're expecting to go and sit on a beach for three weeks. You know in Ibiza with your pals, and all of a sudden you're playing in a pre-season tournament in on, you know in in yeah. Singapore wherever with with you know with Liverpool and 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 and, and other Premier League teams. It must be a huge encouragement. And and again today he's played you know he's played against Schalke. And I, I, I completely disagree with some of the stuff that I've seen on Twitter. It's almost suicidal already. It's ridiculous. You know, Schalke have a European pedigree. They're a really, really good side. Um, yep. I thought we, I thought we'd done all right today, and I was, I was, I was encouraged 
to see, you know, to see the youngsters, you know, the, the youngsters playing. And, and, and we've said, you know, we, as this whole radio, have said that, you know, especially towards the end of, of Pardew, keep going on about Pardew, but, we, you know, we said we'd rather see the kids. If we were going to yeah. go down, we'd rather see the kids. Now we've got the kids, everyone's, you know, certain people are screaming. It's just... Oh, I just, mean, Joe, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. It, almost in the same sentence, some people that I've heard of, you know, have said how much they want to see the kids play and and then the immediate thing afterwards is I can't believe we haven't signed so-and-so to play in that position. It's like, well, if we sign that player that you're, you're furious with the club and the board or whatever that they haven't gone out and bought, then the kid you want to play doesn't play, you know? So what do you want? There's a, there's a lot of contradictory arguments going on. And again, I think people also have got trapped into focusing way too much on the insular world of, of just being a palace fan, because you have to, you have to have the context if you if you're going to go and complain against about something and complaining about not making signings where you you have to look around the the Premier League and see who has made the signings and who has spent the money and what i find interesting is other than i mean you could pick bournemouth as an example and a lot of people have and they'll say they've spent an absolute ton of money brought made some really great signings they have you know and they've broken ffp to do it and they don't care so whatever they've 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 done that but a huge proportion of clubs have done very little business um, because the market is insane, forty-five million for Carl Walker. This is <laughs> come on. What? What? <laughs> you know uh, that? Uh, I, I, you know, when you start there, and then you start looking at. I mean, Harry Maguire went from Hull. Who did he go to in the end? I can't remember. It's my brain's gone. But was that was it Everton? I think it might have been fifteen million quid. You know, yeah, he, right. look, he, look, he looks a half half decent centre back, but. For 15 million quid? There are some very strange ones going on out there. I had a quick look earlier on. Do you know, uh, and I was actually looking at different teams, not just our own. And I know we have got more business to do. And I want to come back to uh, Riedeville that Jill was talking about a minute ago. Uh, But do you know, Chelsea have either sold, released, moved on, loaned, whatever, so far in this transfer window. Any idea? Oh, it's I mean, probably 40 players. 26 players. Very good job, because it's actually 28 players. Oh, Huddersfield, as far as I'm concerned, they're just throwing darts at a dartboard to see what will stick. And they've got about 10, 10 come in. Uh, Brighton have bought six or seven. Okay, totally. Yeah, and their the total spend on those six or seven players is just over 10 million quid. And I've not heard of a single one of them. Uh, no, no, uh, it, it, some strange business coming on. Um, sorry, but I was, go on. Yeah, I say it, it is mad out there, and, and and I think I don't know. I think when you're you're looking at the market we're looking at, because that's the other part of the context, right? We could go out and sign, you know, the the sort of level of players that well, let's let's call it Brighton. You know, we could go and sign some of those types of players if we liked. They'd probably be a lot quicker to do the deals as well, but. You know, we've been in the Premier League for five years now, and what the board have, have said that they are trying to do, they've made it absolutely clear, and I'm sure they've had conversations with the new manager before and during his reign. You know, as they were appointing him, they would have made certain guarantees to, as to what we're going to go after. We want a certain level of player because otherwise we'd just be treading water and having the, the danger of relegation every season. Now, I'm not saying doing what we're doing means categorically we won't be in a relegation battle. Who knows? You know, till the season gets underway and, and everyone's done their business and, and we see where how the land lies, right? But 
we know for certain if we don't improve the squad and we don't go for higher quality players, we know exactly where we'll be and how it will go because we've seen the evidence of that over the last few years. But we we almost set our stall out two years ago by spending, you know, £27 million without the add-ons and paying six-figure money for Benteke. I I just need to just go at this thing about Sacco. the, the 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 Premier League is is just gorging itself. It's 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 absolutely scandalous, really. But but what Liverpool are trying to pull their pants down, and and the the reason I've come to this conclusion is that they want thirty million for Sacco, thirty million, or, or they're not selling him to us. It's quite clear he wants to come to us. But the thing is, he can't get in the Liverpool side. This is a strange thing: is that of all the defenders Liverpool have got, they don't have a defender worth thirty million pounds. No. I, I, so, so, so they, what they're saying is they want. The, so you've got a player that can't get in the side, but they want thirty million quid for him. Yeah, it's but just, yeah, don't, don't forget, can only, it's only that he can't get into the side because he's fallen out with the manager. Okay, no, that, it's, that, it, it, listen, it's 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 not really that because that you, you know the the manager sometimes you offer the olive olive branch and you go, look, I really need you to play. It's barely actually. You you saw you saw it you saw it with. With uh, with punching and um, Warnock. Well, you, you, you see it all. You see it all the time. You know, punching gets dropped for the cup final, and oh, and he go, and he goes after the manager after he scores a goal. You know, there's always something going on, but he can you, you you can sort things out if you really want to. But but my main point was is that Liverpool are just trying to pull their pants down. I do believe that we will get Sacco go, and so do I. It, and, but but the thing is, I think we'll get him on loan. But this time, the part of the contract, we'll have to pay a fee, or we'll have to pay, you know, whatever it is, we, we'll have to pay Liverpool again. But I think we'll we'll have to pay maybe five to eight million pounds Liverpool, and then there will be a contract at the end of the season where we have to buy him for thirty million less the eight million we've already given. Can we that, can we do another loan now? We got Loftus Cheek from it, uh, another domestic loan. I can't. Remember. I don't know. I don't how know. many loans? How many loans can you do? My understanding oh. is that we can do another one more domestic loan. Yeah, and there's potential for an overseas and, maybe or something. And can I just finish up on what I was talking about with ins and outs and everything else? Okay. Because well, I'd like, to, I'd like us to go through our signings definitely. Because I, I think we have got. Bear in mind the money I've just been talking about with other clubs that are ins and outs. I, I think we have the steal of the season. And and I'd like to make this absolutely clear on show one of the year. Let's look at where we're at this time at the end of the season with uh, Jerry O'Readabeld. I, I think for eight million quid, we have got the bargain of the century. You've got somebody who has a great Dutch pedigree. You've got somebody who is clearly comfortable on the ball. Can you imagine him sitting alongside Sacco? Can you imagine that the strength of our, our defence? We've got, Three then three very strong left backs, okay. Depending on which one's going to play Van Arnholt, Soiree, or uh, whatever, okay. But the two at the back, okay, the two central defenders are really, really strong. And that that read about will be the steal of the season. Um, well, he had he had a cup, there was a couple of touches today that of a ball going over his shoulder. So he had his he had an attacker behind him, he was facing goal. And the ball was just dropping over the top of him, and he he just killed it dead and just turned away. It was very very easy for him, um, and you know some, some incredible defending in there really. Um, but obviously we we are looking like we're playing three centre backs, so you know if we were to get say Sacco in, you know, and and 
Dan's looked very, very comfortable, and we've obviously got Tompkins there as well. Um, you know, that's that's a very, very strong backline. And you know, you like you say, Nick, he, he could. You know, I'm 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 hedging my bets slightly more than you, but not not a huge amount. You know, I, I've seen him. I haven't seen enough of him. I haven't seen him when he's under real pressure, and we have, we haven't seen him in the Premier League at the pace and the physicality of that. But he looks like he's got everything that you need to to be a real success at that level. And I think we've also got, uh, I mean, I'm glad you picked up on Scott Dan because really great to see him back in a Palace shirt today. I mean, we've got others there as well. I mean, don't forget, we've still got Martin Kelly sitting on the sidelines. Uh, and, of course, our Joel Ward, bless his heart, and uh, Mr Delaney as well, you know, who are great backups in our defence. So, uh, you know, if we do bring Sacco in, and I think, I agree with you, Gel, that I believe what will happen is, although I think it will happen slightly differently, uh, they will cave uh, Liverpool will cave towards a, you know, the last week of the transfer window is when that deal will get done. And I think we will settle on a reasonable sum of somewhere between 18 and 20 million. And they will cave in because nobody else is coming and offer them. As long as Roma stay away from it, okay, which I've heard they're sniffing around. I think, I think he will, you're right, he will end up as a Palace player. I will be delighted to see those two playing at the heart of our defence. Obviously, we're linked with uh, Callum Chambers as well. And, you know, it's pretty clear that if that deal was to happen, you know, I think it's very, very, very unlikely we'll be spending similar money on Sacco as well. So I'm a little bit less confident that the deal will be done. I think the deal's there to be done. And I think perhaps the reason we're not, uh, we've not currently completed our, shall we say, probably final uh, centre-back signing is that there's a choice to be made there and we're kind of playing that waiting game a little bit but do you not do you not think that's a little bit smoke and mirrors though Chris because it's I think you know bearing in mind Chambers is available now we could have just gone and taken him straight away okay and and he would have been quite happy to stay in in London play for another London team and that that deal would have been done I think that's actually a bit of a smoke screen going up uh, ahead of uh, the Sacco deal later on in my opinion why haven't West Ham gone for him they seem to go for everyone that we want (laughs) <laughs> that's true yeah they, they they do have a tendency to do that don't know i really don't there's um you know maybe maybe it isn't a deal that's happening i don't know i i, I would be very surprised i mean you, that's how transfers work right you you do line up a whole bunch of people and eventually you try and go you go for your first choice if you don't get them you you activate the second and blah 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 and go through your list and you know what it feels like for us half the time we end up with uh, choice number seven but um you know i think I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is, it's showing showing good ambition. What about the the other guy we've signed though, Ruben Loftus Cheek? I've uh, mentioned him a little bit about his performance uh, performances in pre season, but uh, what do you make of him, Joe? Well, he looks like a beast, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a well, big he just team, looks yeah. like a beast. What, do you know what? I've I've said for ages, and um. I love a player that just picks the ball up and and knows what they want to do. As in, as in, firstly that they have um, decent, you know, the decent feet, but they just pick the ball up and go forward. Did you see? Did you see? He picks a picks a couple of really decent passes today. You know, oh, we the have, outside of the foot one. I know across out to the, the right. Oh. It was just. I know. I was. I was like, wow, I haven't seen that for a while. Do you hear the, the collective the collective noise at the stadium for that? Was just fantastic. It was kind yeah. of like it was kind of orgasmic. It was a bit like. Oh. But the thing is, <laughs> listen, I, 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 I've said, I've had this conversation a couple of times, and, and four of my mates at the toll place where I get get all my stuff from, they're all Chelsea fans. And they, and they were like, how did you get him? And I said, well, you know, they, they obviously 
I think he's good enough to get in the Chelsea side. They just need him to have a bit more experience. So generally, we've, we've you know, like our players, they go down to the Championship or down to League One. But Chelsea have just said, well, he's definitely, you know, he's comfortable in Premier League, playing Premier League football. You have him. The only two games he can't play against is us. So I'm, I'm really excited for him as long as he can stay, stay fit. You know, the, his addition in the middle. As long as, as long as Luca is in the middle, that's that for me. That's all that matters because I think we have the attacking um, and the defensive side of you know. It, it's almost that um, going back a couple of years with with Jedinek, You know, yeah. win the ball. Luca wins the ball, gives it. Jedinek used to win the ball, but he never used to know what to do with it. And now <laughs> we've got someone who can win the ball and then play it off. And all we've needed now was a ball player. See, that, that dive, that five or six paces that gets you into the final third from the centre, and then you can feed Benteke, Wolf, Townsend, you know, whoever's, whoever's playing around. And the late runs, I love some of the late runs I saw today from, you know, from the kids. So yeah. it, it is exciting, but I'm, 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 he's, I think he's going to be huge for us. And Nick, I'll get your views as well, and I'll, uh, I've got a bit to talk about in terms of how, the, the way the loan came about and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that's... Um... I was sitting behind the chat today, somebody I didn't know, and all he kept saying every time he bought one of those balls down from the sky or play, played another ball out, he kept using an expression I've never heard before, that the bloke is a baller. He's a baller. This guy can play on the ball, is his way, and he's a proper, good quality, absolutely exquisite football player. Uh, and, you know, again, something for the future, as Jill quite rightly said, I think he's he's got a... A super future. He'll probably the future of Chelsea, not at our place. Yeah, sadly, (laughs) sadly, you're right though, Jill. But I mean, we did the same thing with Ashley Cole, if you remember, all those years ago, and we knew that that guy was going to go on to have a cracking career. Well, I think you've seen the start of another one today because he is a quality player. I mean, he'll he'll be in the seat if he. Well, I, I feel he'll be in the England senior squad at some point this season. I really do. Um, if, if certainly if we have a good season, so hopefully our um, our ambitions will be aligned on that one. Uh, I, I know a few Chelsea fans, and they've all said the same same thing that, that you guys were saying that this sort of how the hell have you got him? He's fantastic. You know, they're expecting him to to really push this season to to play more regularly, and he got a fair few games last season. But you've also got to look at Chelsea. And how they use the loan system, and and the, how they've the whole structure that they've built, they've built a business around developing and loaning players, and eventually selling players. You know, uh, they'll how many actually that come through remain in the team is is very very few because the last one that did is still I think John Terry. Yeah, you know that's that's and that is alarming but when you actually I, I, someone posted a brilliant article on it uh, during the course of the, the summer on the bbs that i'm honestly can't remember where it was it might have been the guardian or something like that but chelsea make a huge profit on stockpiling developing loaning and selling players they they've you know they've been very very clever and this is another example of it so what they've got in ruben loftus cheek is a player who should with that level of ability develop and be a player for them for the future but their backup is that they'll loan him out for various fees to premier league clubs and eventually sell him if 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 he never quite makes the level that they want him to make 
and they can do that with well you've already told us 28 players so far this season but I'm sure I saw a figure of last season throughout the course of the the, the whole season they loaned out 70 players at different levels youth loans and all that kind of stuff and I think the right word there Chris is you, you use is stockpile because and the fact that they made a business out of it and don't forget I know from a, a very personal level that they're doing this from a very young age and I'm not talking about the loftus cheeks of the world I'm talking about six seven year old kids yeah. that I've seen squads of them at Walton training ground and then they go over to if they're lucky they'll, they'll go on to the Cobham training centre which on its own is a facility worth looking at so, you know it's an absolutely wonderful thing and it is just most of it is a money-making exercise and you're absolutely right yeah it's, well it, it feels distasteful but at the same time you've got to have a degree of admiration for it for them to see through it whether or not the authorities in the game need to do something well they certainly need to do something if they want to protect young english talent at the same time the argument's always there that they, they are developing the very very best as well but um we we pick up quite a lot of that i think three or four at least of the second year scholars at palace are ex-chelsea um so we we do have a little bit of a benefit from the fact that we're in london and, and we pick off some of their players but and there's also of course there's also the other side of the argument of course after praising them for everything then i'll just finish the sentence by saying patrick bamford <laughs> that's, that's the finish of many a sentence often involves lots of swearing and how and all that kind of stuff um but there, there we go it's, i i think loftus cheek was a was a great bit of business but i think we've still got to see a lot more being done before the end of the window you know paris was on instagram today jet skiing or wherever it was or water, water skiing and saying he's still working on deals. So let's take a moment to talk about our youngsters, though. We sort of mentioned Jason Lockillo in, in, in passing, who was the kid at number 49 today, who's, who's played a couple of games uh, as the, the right forward. Um, so he's a, he's a player we got from, I, I believe I'm right in saying he was from Anderlecht a couple of years ago. Um, got into a, like a little contract dispute with them. Um, was very highly rated. He'd been scouted by some, some of the bigger clubs. Uh, and we just went in there and, and sort of nipped in and got him. Um you know, playing playing above his age level all last season, but I don't think he was one who would have expected to uh, to being dropped in. But it's Joe, you've talked about being happy seeing the youngsters. How, how do you think he did? First of all, what would you would you, you know what what are the plus points with him? Um, well, I I only saw the last fifteen minutes of the first half and then the whole of the second half, so I was really disturbed to to see someone getting you know someone on Twitter absolutely going after him. You know, saying he was more than awful, which I thought was really harsh. Um, again, I, I think I think from a Palace point of view, I've, I've I've always said you don't have to be the best players to play for us. You just have to show a bit of heart, you know. And and he showed plenty of that from what I saw. You know, he showed it. He showed attacking intent. You know, he was he was lively. He didn't he didn't coast when? I mean, we have the you have the greatest excuse really with Palace at the moment. We've got one of the form players in Europe, I think, with Wilf. And you just go, well, look for Wilf, give him the ball, and you can all just stand there and watch, you know. <laughs> He's only ever going to look for really for Benteke, isn't he? So, or do it himself. So, but, he, but, but he, you know, he didn't. He, he really got involved and made some great runs. He, you know, he didn't get the pass that, that, he's, that the runs deserve. But I was, I was really, you know, I was really, really pleased, really pleased. Um, and again, if he's if he is that highly thought after, then then we seem to have had a bit of a result. Um, but again, like I said, I, I just I love it when our kids are, are getting involved. 
I, I do believe that some of them are going to be involved this season. I really do. Um, because we're one week in front of the season starting and, and, and these kids are consistently playing. So I, I'm done. You know, I could be reading a completely the wrong message, but then that would that would really be a, send mixed messages out to to them. You know, um, a bit like Pardew, what he did to um, who's a young left-footed midfielder who just Bye seems guy, to when he called him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's just you go. You know, you have half a game or whatever, and I, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think he genuinely believes in a youth system, and uh, you know I, I think he's had it all his his life, hasn't he? Um, yeah. yeah so I, 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 yeah, it it bodes well. I'm 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 really really pleased. Like I said, you know, I, I still think we we're in our our infancy as a club, growing, you know, from 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 the whole the whole picture. So this this mixture now of youth and and quite vast experience and also skill. Um, yeah. Is 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 a is a you know we're we're making the right steps again. It's a, it's just a it's a parish thing, isn't it? It's not just going to go in there and try and skint us again and throw you know a few hundred million quid at it. Um, it it's just building the club. So yeah. now you're right. There's a lot you've touched on a number of points there, but the the main thing I would pick out of that is is what that shows all the young players at the club, you know, cause there's going down a couple of levels. There's some very, very, very high rated players. Um, and one made the press, uh, fairly recently, a guy, I think he's called Joseph Humbo is a, he's got a middle name that's incredibly long and impossible to pronounce, but he, um, he's in a bit of a tug of war between Nigeria and England in terms of representation, because, you know, he's that highly rated another fast, powerful winger, which we, we seem to produce quite a lot. But, but I mean, going back to Lokilo, he's, you know, he, he's although he's been playing in this sort of wide right forward position, you know, he is, I think, you know, by trade more and more a number ten, but can sort of play anywhere in around the sort of front three and the and the sort of in behind role. Um, just just very very talented for me. Um, and what what I would pick out today was a little bit like his first performance um, in in the Asia tournament. It was he was reserved at the start so clearly he's a kid he's i think he's only 17 maybe pushing towards 18 but he was clearly nervous you know he's he was making simple passes he wasn't trying to take the man on or anything like that and got caught in possession a couple of times and if you don't see beyond that then i suppose you are going to potentially judge him harshly but what was really good for me was that as the game went on he got more and more confident more and more involved there were times where as you've picked out Joe with, with the heart that he showed where he was running huge distances to chase down players and by the end he was winning the ball back in dangerous positions and putting real pressure on and he's got a wand of a right foot in terms of set pieces so huge huge plus for me to see him getting involved in the uh, in the squad Nick do you think uh, any, any thoughts of, of Lakilo before we move on yeah I have actually I mean if uh if you think about what the manager said, uh, Frank DeBoer said on his very first appointment interview that he's very keen to play the youth. Now, this is a man clearly of his word 
Lakillo that we've seen in the last couple of games. But also, don't forget, on the bench today, we had uh, Ladipo, Hussein and Juan Basica. Now, these players were also involved, obviously, down at Mason that we saw, Chris. Now, the very fact that they're in and around the squad, the very fact that they're actually involved with the first team has got to pay massive dividends. Just think about the worst-case scenario this season, OK, and the wheels fall off and we end up going down. But these guys are then having experience with the first team ready to bring forward over the next couple of seasons. I think it's been brilliant. He's a truly, obviously, a man of his word. Man yeah. of his word. Well, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is a very, very interesting one because he came through the youth. I, I've seen, seen him play a few times as a right winger. Um, and he's now converted right back slack. He is our, our backup right wing back, if you like. Um, that's why we see him on the bench. And he's, he's played a couple of times in pre-season with the first team in that yep. position and looked really good, you know, very, very positive. Obviously, he's got skill going forward, but what's really, the story that came out, I think it was, um, it's actually, first I heard it was in the commentary of of the, the, the Asia tournament where they said um, Wilfred Zaha had picked him out as the one player he hates to face in training because he just cannot cannot deal with him he just he just hassles him continuously and won't let him go anywhere so, so um the last thing on the lock lock if you don't mind me saying um right. i think because and this is obviously his age and he's, 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 you're right he's he's 18 going on 19 he reminds me very much in the early days do you remember when will first made an appearance and he was this spin, spindly little runt okay that he, he would get he well, knocked, up, I wouldn't, knocked over i wouldn't say run <laughs> But he on, he mate. was he he was he was he was lightweight, okay, and he needed to fill out. Uh, Jill and I have already had a conversation this season talking about the fact that he Wilf then bulked up and, and he became the player that he is today. Uh, Lucky though as well because he yeah. once, once he puts on a little bit of a few pounds. Oh yeah, he's yeah. got a stack on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, I was going to make that comparison with him with him and Wilf to be honest with you because uh, you know, but what they did last year was that the the, the the pundits turned around and went, oh, yeah, he's got no, we were talking about Wolf, he's got no end product. Yeah, right, man, of course he hasn't. We, you know, we know he has. And, yeah. but, but, and that's what people already are saying about Le Kilo. So he just needs to be around around it and get just just be around, you know, top-class professional football. It's all right, you just, you know, kicking each other in training and stuff. But once he, I see what I, what I, I think we have a really good chance of this year, more than, other times, even though we reached the cup final, it does seem that that the depth we are getting. I know people say we haven't got depth, but we really have. You know, we, if we get one more centre back, we, we've we've well, we got need two strikers. more than we had last year. Yeah, <laughs> and but, a goalkeeper. Yeah but, yeah, but the thing is, yeah, we've, well, we just signed that. Didn't Colchester United let that goalkeeper go? And we've just it's Peterborough. Signed. We've we've signed Dion Curtis. Yeah, Curtis Henry, whether he's any good, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we go through, you know. Um, goalkeepers like but anyway you know we, we are looking we are looking at, at, at the young players and bringing people in and I think we got again another good chance for the cups this year you know, I'd like to see I'd like to see uh, Kai Kai involved I really would yeah. well, but, we'll see what happens in the early rounds obviously I don't know if he's if he's picked up an injury or something because he hasn't really been involved at all um, of late even in the even in the 23s which is which suggests he has got an injury but um you know, Johnny Williams is back floating around, you know, getting involved in various bits and pieces. We'll see, how, see whether he can make another impact this season as well. But, you know, as we as we all hope as Palace fans every year, uh, it seems to get less and less likely. But, seems to have yeah, avoided injury. Yeah. Yeah. Some suggestion today that he was he was injured, but I don't think that I didn't. I only saw that in one place and I'm pretty sure that isn't the case. But um, it'd be nice to see him 
get involved and you know towards the end of the season still be in and around the first team but obviously a lot of these players are you know Kai Kai is one and, and Williams another and they've got to be named in the 25 to be first team now so it's going to be interesting to see who actually make who gets that you know the beauty of players like Wambasaka and, and Lakilo they don't have to be named in that 25 so they're, they're, that's probably half the reason they're getting opportunities that the others aren't because the Great others point. are to get to get loaned out uh, one, about, one, sorry Chris Hiram Boateng is he still around yeah, yeah, but um, quite clearly, um, I mean, he is fit, but he's not being used. He was on the bench for the 23s not too long ago. I think he might have gone as a sub, but um, he doesn't appear to have, have kicked on like many of the club hoped. He, mm. You know, he's done very well out on loan at, at League Two level. The, you know, the clubs, Plymouth and, and Northampton, where he's played, both sets of fans like him a lot. Um you know, De Boer would have had the opportunity to look at him and, and use him in pre-season and has chosen not to. So I think, you know, you don't want to read too much into that because there's a lot of players to sort of pick and choose from and he's had a, not a huge amount of time to assess ability. So you, you wouldn't say any doors are closed, but I think I think perhaps Boateng will be one that, that, that gets moved on at some point. Um you know, but we'll, we'll see, won't we? I do, I do want to pick out one other player who um, I think due to... Can't remember who dropped out of the the squad in the end. From it was no, it's Macarthur coming out of the squad, and we will talk about uh, James Macarthur in a moment. But um, it was Michael Phillips went to went to the Asia Trophy as well, and uh, I was really impressed with him. He's, you know, what I mean, sometimes you get a player who is not making any huge waves at a youth level. He's always been well thought of, and. You know, as a, he plays as a centre back and a, and a central midfielder as well. Um, there was a period, I think it was a couple of years ago, where he, he came back from injury and just went on a massive run of just scoring some some really great goals every every week um, and, and playing extremely well and, and moved into the sort of twenty three environment. But he had a couple of little cameos off the bench. He played, I think, might have even played forty five minutes in the. That's probably maybe the last 20, 25 minutes against West Brom and made a couple of surging runs from the back, uh, dribbling past players, look really, really good and, and seems to develop quite nicely. Um, so he's one that might, out of nowhere, kind of have forced himself into a, into the manager's thinking as, as a backup. So, you know, he, as, as I said, he can play, he can play centre off um, where he has done for the, for the youth quite a lot, but he's also a very adept um, midfielder can play both attacking and defensive midfield. So interesting player, you know, you'd certainly look at it and say, well, he's probably, I think he's the same age as Loftus cheek. And you can see that uh, Loftus cheek is, is, is class above. So you're not going to, he's not going to kick him out of the team, but, um, but I say, I'd like to see that. I like to see a player who, you know, wasn't going to be involved in something, suddenly get involved and, and take that opportunity to impress. So, very good to see. Just so, slightly surprising that he wasn't involved in the squad today. Bearing in mind, he did have uh, Ladapo, Hussain and Juan Basica on the bench as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but maybe, maybe you know, there was all, he, he will get more minutes playing in the 23s at another point or something like that. But um, Or may, maybe De Boer's seen enough of him to know what he can do. Because I think that's important to, to mention as well, that today there was still an experimental look at the team you know um as i said earlier I, I don't see a lot of the players playing in the positions that they were playing in today i still think you know townsend might he's played there all pre-season he's played at right wing back but i think that's more about getting him into a position where he could play that role if needed and i think the lock same could be said of of 
Milivojevic playing in the back three, I don't think. And he, he expressed it, the fact that he doesn't want to play there. And I think he'll just be used as an option if we need it at some point. But, well, again, it just goes to show you what a good player he is, because you're quite right, he, he did say that he didn't want to play there. But in a couple of games that I've seen him play there, I think he's looked as short of the back. He's great, but you can see you play the ball over his head, you know, and where he has to try and get up and time a header. He's not used to it. Uh, and he was getting very frustrated at times today with uh, Schalke with doing that, lifting the ball over the top of him into the channels. And he, because positionally, he just wasn't comfortable. And he has to, you know, he's, he's out of the game for quite a long period as well as a, as a defender. So he doesn't get to dictate play and tempo. He was um, a frustrated figure at times. I don't like to see that. So hopefully you won't see too much more of it. Joe. Is he any good in goal? <laughs> joking. <laughs> joking. I just said, well, should have said it in Patrick's voice. Should have done, yeah. Um, there was a couple of bits I was going to mention. Like, obviously, Jules played today and, and not Wayne Hennessy. I don't know how much to read into that. Um, but um, all I, I will say, help. well, yeah, all I, was, all I would say is the header, the header that we did go in and he got a hand to. Wayne Hennessy did exactly that. I, I know myself, I would be criticising Wayne Hennessy. So, you know, you've got to say perhaps he's got to do better there. Although it had the heavens had just opened, it was absolutely insane. So Stop making excuses. Maybe we'll let him off for that. It's Jules, come on! <laughs> um, so, on, on a little bit of a negative, James MacArthur not featured all season, all pre-season at all. Lots of strong rumours about him leaving the club. Quite see- seemingly that's going to happen because... Unless he's got an injury, we haven't been told about. He's just not been not been involved in any squad, any not in the under twenty threes, not in the first team. Um, just haven't seen him really. He's been in training, I think. Uh, but yeah, sadly, so- I think I think that's uh, that's his shift over, I believe. Um, and you, I mean, the other thing, of course, we could talk about is Johan because Johan hasn't featured very much in the last couple of games, has he? Yeah, again, suggestion suggestion that he's injured, but um, but he has been training. So again, you you, you can speculate that doesn't look particularly good. Well, he was definitely there today. He was up in the executive boxes today. Yeah, so I don't know more than we can say for MacArthur, I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, I know he's that a bad. So, 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 what are you? So, what are you two saying? I'll, I'll stick my neck out and tell you now that it'll be to the detriment of the club if he goes. From that's from my point of view. Unless we sign players as a result of it, I, you know, I, I, I feel similar. I thought again. So let's let's talk, let's talk specifically Macarthur. Goodbye. I think we will leave for another day because we don't really know what's going on there. Um, other than that, obviously he's a very good footballer and would would be a loss to the team if he is going to leave, but would free up some wages. You can wait up that sort of thing, but we don't really know what's going on there with MacArthur. It looks much more obvious than that. Um, I'll say that last season, because of injuries, he, when he was playing, he was playing with an injury. When he wasn't, and quite often he wasn't available, but he certainly didn't look like the player he had uh, for the two seasons before. But he's been over the last few seasons one of my favourite players. You know, I'd love to see stats on how many goals goals uh, he's cleared off the line. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see, um, you know, how much ground he's covered, all that kind of stuff, because he's just been an absolute dynamo in the midfield there and a a real privilege to have at the football club. And I I don't know why all of a sudden he's fallen out of favour unless, well, I assume there's a a bit that we don't really know. Joe? Well, firstly, it was him and Will for our standout players at the beginning of last season until he got that injury. And then when he came back, he was playing with an injury. So he got over one injury and then got injured again. I mean, I, you know, this this absolute chuck-away attitude of players that have done 
that have been fantastic for us um, is, is slightly disturbing. You know, people just going, oh, well, you know, he, he had a crap season. Well, he had a crap season because he was playing while he was injured. So he's obviously, you know, being injected or doing whatever and playing through the pain barrier just to try and help a team out. You know, I'd, I'd, unless unless he's still injured. Yeah. Um, but, but again, I, I I would rather see him, you know, just for his just for his energy, the way that he was the first person I saw come to our club that that it it a ping that pinged the football that that yeah. it, it passes that that didn't get intercepted because they were underweight that you know he, he, the way that he kicks the ball the way it is his energy. You know, and he's still doing it for Scotland. I, I, I just don't understand how he's maybe, maybe you know, getting left out of the team, being subbed, and over the last maybe eighteen months has disheartened him a little bit. Where he's had a chat with with the powers that be, and they've said, "Well, that's the way it's going to be." Mm. And he's and he's and he's you know he's jaded. You know, maybe maybe it is time to move on. But I would be disappointed to see him. Know, if, he, if he's not injured and he's what is he 20 how old is he well he's, he's 30 coming up so, 31 yeah. i think so but when you get his last year of his contract you could say the exact same words about kabai last year of contract uh you know uh, into their early 30s is you know if they're not going to sign a new deal and we don't want to keep them beyond say 32 33 there's there's only really one thing to do isn't there you either you either let them play out the last year and I've said there's one thing to do, and I'm about to list two. There's two things to do. <laughs> there's let them play out their final year for you, or sell them. You know, there's there's no kind of. Well, we can't do that for, know, the, you, for every thirty-year-old midfielder we got, because otherwise, Punchin's going. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's under contract for probably another couple of years at least. I, I'm, so I'm saying once you get into that last year, it's. Uh, I think uh, Joe raises a good point uh, that he's still doing it for Scotland. Okay. Okay. And talk about Jimmy Mack, but I think that's the problem with Jimmy Mack from how I read it is that he's not prepared to settle for a squad place. He wants the first team football because he's still got aspirations for the Scotland position. Um, And that, for that reason alone, I believe, I reckon that that will be why he goes because he still wants his, you know, he he loves his country. He wants to play for his country and he's not going to get regular first team football with Palace. So he can play for the dog and duck and get in the Scotland side. Nick, I I won't worry about, I won't worry about him not just playing for Palace. Do you know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) it's quite clear that he'll better get in the Scotland side. I was going to say, he's desperate to keep that Scotland place because they get free shortbread for every appearance as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry to our Scottish listeners. It's not my fault. I, you know, I've got an office in Scotland sometimes, that, and I, I always take them shortbread as a sarcastic present. And um, once they told me to stop bringing shortbread, so I brought Tunnock's tea cakes instead. I was just think that. I, I think love it's you, funny. Yeah. They, yeah, I'm the only one who finds it funny, but that's all that matters, really, isn't it? Um, okay, so we've we've kind of, I think we're we're coming to the end of our little preview of, of well, a little roundup of pre-season and some thoughts on the on the season ahead before we get into the the, the proper shows where we're previewing and reviewing games. It's really difficult to say previewing and reviewing. Try that. Pre- anyway, don't don't let me uh, distract myself. Uh, but before we before we go, I just want to last little chance for you, gents, to raise anything that you want to discuss before we uh, before we close the show. I'll start with you, Nick. If you got anything you want to talk about, I want to, I want to talk about the feeling of optimism surrounding Sellers. I mean, the place. I don't know if you. I mean, I know you were at the ground today, Chris, and I don't know if you actually saw it yourself. That there is a very good feeling about it. Um, on a personal note, I don't think 
that we're going to, and I know I could get shot down here, okay, but I actually think we're going to have a strong season. We're not going to be uh, involved in a relegation fodder this year, okay? There's a lot worse teams off than us in that division. Um, it will be a situation this year where I believe as long as we get off to a good start, if you remember, I don't think we we, we won a game for the first 10 or whatever it was last season. If we can get some early points on the board, carry that, that momentum through till Christmas and out the other side, I think we're going to have a strong season. I really do. I certainly hope so. Are you that optimistic, Joe? Yeah, I'll share, I'll share that optimism. Yeah. I like it. Well, do you know what? So do I now. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, but you talk about optimism at the ground, Nick. Well, um, before we say goodbye, in fact, we're going to say goodbye, but just just after we do, um, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about how not everyone at the ground was particularly optimistic. Let's just call it that. <laughs> so um, thank you very much, Nick and Joe. You can say your goodbyes. Thank you. Is that a good, goodbye for me? Good night. And now coming up is uh, after this new feature is the interview with High Money to um, which which I'm sure will be fascinating. There's some great stories in that. Jell and uh, Nick Gillard did the interview uh, back in the last season to give it a bit of context for you and um, some fascinating stories in there. But just before we get there, it's time for fantastic new hilariously named feature. Hamble- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Things ramblings. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia Homophobia. doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Chris Hambling's gone all ranty Something's really wound him up He's using lots of nutty words Like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake It's going to get quite heated The air is turning blue The refs have cut, the players are And guess what, so are you He'll whine about the tactics The substitutes and such But please don't get him started On Jordan Much So welcome to Hambling's Ramblings And absolutely won't be talking about Jordan much at least not today I'm sure I'll get to that in the course of the season today I want to tell you a little story about uh, the game that I, intent- I attended today at Sellers Park where Crystal Palace drew 1-1 with Schalke uh, I sat down uh, first time in a long long time I've been in the, the Homesdale Upper for a game fantastic view up there and I sat down in my seat and, and uh, just before the game kicked off uh, a gentleman uh, pushed his way to the seat to my right which was blissfully empty prior to his arrival but you know there he was it's, it's his seat he paid for it and gentleman sat down started talking to his friend and it was quite clear from early on that this man he didn't seem to enjoy being a palace fan and we've all been there let's face it uh, worst summer ever worst summer ever i cannot believe this football club he said 
Steve Parrish has let us down again. I hate that man. It's not so. It's no coincidence that you know all the managers are leaving because they don't get backed in a transfer window. We've only got two in. One of them we bought. One of them is only a loan. It's pathetic. We're so far from ready for the season ahead. I hate this. It's so pathetic. I wish we were back in the championship. I was like, oh, okay. There's a, so there's a there's a live wire next to me there. So start listening to the detail of what he's actually angry about. So he starts and he says can't believe it can't believe we're looking to spend 20 million pounds on Callum Chambers it's only another 10 million for Sacco just spend the 10 million and that laddie and that show we were after going to Leicester isn't he 25 million absolute bargain that is can't believe it can't believe it so already this gentleman wants to spend 55 million pounds of the club's money that's 55 million pounds on transfer fees and of course he's talking about how can i how can we not spend this of course we got 120 million in tv money we got 70 million pounds in uh, in something else that he's made up <laughs> i don't even know what it was of course the wage bill can't be that high can it well the wage bill is 90 million quid but you know nothing like having no information to make a judgment hey eh? so there we are we can spend 55 million quid on players and whatever it is on wages and and of course we don't and by not doing so clearly clearly steve parish is a very very bad man who only wants the worst for crystal palace so already my back's up i'm thinking i'm gonna have to part with 90 minutes of this the next thing he moans about what is it can't believe we're being charged entry fee for a pre-season friendly i should be able to come here for free he says whoa hold on there you want the club to spend 55 million quid plus wages signing on fees and agents fees to get two players but the second the second they dare to charge you not 15 pounds on five he only paid 10 pounds for a concessions ticket because you know he's sort of patrick's speech anyway so he's paid 10 pounds for a pre-season friendly and he's livid yet he wants the club just to spend 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 because they're so rich right unbelievable you know what the the guy then spent the rest of the game talking to his mate about going on holiday and his daughter's this and his wife says that all that kind of stuff and he only stops to look at the game when the crowd have made a noise like something's wrong honest to god why do it why put yourself through it you hate being a palace fan that much why are you turning up every week no way Chris Sambling's got all ranty, something's really wound him up He's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake It's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue The refs have cut, the players are, and guess what, so are you He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such But please don't get him started on Jordan much Homestyle Radio, live review show Crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Hi, welcome to this week's uh, A Walk Up Homesdale Road. I'm Nick Gillard. I've got Joe with me. Hi, Joe. Are you okay? Yeah, you're on, Nick. Yep, I'm very, very good. Um, I'm going to introduce this week's guest like this. At age 19, she arrived at Tilbury Docks from Bombay with £15 in her pocket and a box brownie camera given to her by her mother. She had a request to send her back a picture of Buckingham Palace. Well, she's taken plenty of pictures at the palace, so there can only be one who fits this bill, and that's uh, the wonderful High Money. Hello, Hi, how are you doing? Okay. Hi, thank you. Yes, thank you for inviting me to be part of this programme. No, no problem. Um, Joe, are you going you gonna to kick in? Yeah, well, uh, no time not the present. So, um, well, if we start right at the beginning, um, at 19, how easy was it to settle into English life? Well, let me say that 19, back in those days was the equivalent of today's 11-year-old. 
And bearing in mind I'd been isolated in a boarding school from the age of eight till almost 18 and not had contact with the outside world except for six weeks in the year. 19 today is is like marriageable age and all the rest of it. But when I was 19 years old, I was just so innocent and I hadn't had any experience of being in the outside world. So that was even worse to be sent off on a one-way ticket to a foreign country. And do, you think, so, do you think that's why you took lots of photos? Because you, you were shut away and suddenly you wanted to record no, as much no. as you could? Or... Yeah, well, interestingly enough, that is a point, but not because I arrived in a foreign country. But it was because when I got married, I, I married within a couple of years of arriving here, because as, as I said, I didn't know a single person here. And uh, I married Bill Money, which is how he got the name Money. And I had my, we had the first baby. And my family, my mother, my friends, everyone from school was still living in India, from in Bangalore, where I was born. Although I did set sail from Bombay docks. But they kept saying, well, we want to see your baby. And my husband was the one that had the camera. And it was a Voigtlander, I remember. And he said, I kept saying, when are you going to photograph this baby? And he was so sports mad that he would, by the time he'd come home from work, weekends he was playing football. And then he'd play cricket and he played snooker every Monday and Friday. The baby was getting bigger and bigger, and the family was saying, "We want to see your baby." So I remembered, uh, and he's my husband said to me at the time, "You wouldn't understand that camera; it's too complicated." I said, "Well, give me your camera; I'll do it." <laughs> and he was probably right. I probably wouldn't have understood it, but I, I trusted him that he he thought I wouldn't be able to do it, and I assumed I wouldn't. Then I remembered the box brownie camera my mother gave me. So I fished that out and went across the road where I lived. They had a chemist. I bought a 120 roll of film and it had eight exposures. That was it. And out of that eight, I had to make the best possible use of eight exposures, which people who use uh, computers and digital today would not even appreciate. Because you click, 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 delete, press, send. But when you've only got eight exposures and then you've got to send it away to be developed eight to ten days, every single image, every time you press that shutter was so important. So that is how I looked at it. And that's what started me off on taking photographs. Then you had to send them after waiting eight to ten days. You had to send them by C-mail or airmail. So there was such a such a long process. So that's where I started off to send my family pictures of the child. And that's why it became so important because every you couldn't waste you just couldn't waste it. You just had to make sure that everything was perfect to capture the mood, the prettiness of the child, the action, whatever. Which is which is quite different to taking action shots at football, isn't it? Because you've got to know when that that moment is don't well, you it's yeah. completely well, different was, this is how it evolved in that i eventually had there's lisa my first job then we had three boys and i turned the back garden into a football pitch much to the neighbors absolute fury we lived in west wickham then and it was quite a posh area and our slot moved in i dug up <laughs> all the flower beds the rose bushes and everything and i thought i want to see my children be safe in the garden and yeah. I was clicking pictures of them all the time, kicking a ball, leaping, 
And I thought, I really love this, just capture action pictures from the, my children in the garden. So that's so, where that started. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've, you've developed a love of photography. When did you realise you were good at it? Because you've, you've had pictures published in national newspapers before you even went to a football match, didn't you? Well, I'd, my first picture I had published was when my eldest son, I think he was about four or five, and it was a scorching summer, and they, this, I think it was the Daily Mirror or Sunday Mirror said, have you got any pictures to uh, to emphasise how hot the summer was? And I'd photographed him licking an ice cream from a cone and it was all dribbling down his chest. And I thought, well, I'll send that in. I, I'd never expected anything. And they published it, and they, that was the first time I saw my name in the newspaper, national newspaper. And it's, it was just the ice cream all dribbling down his chest. And I thought, wow, my name in the newspapers, I like that. I was called Hyacinth then, of course, because I hadn't shortened it at that stage. So that was that, before I even went to a football match. Did they oh, pay man. you for the, uh, for, for the, for the photo? Pardon? Did they pay you for the photo? I got, I got 10 pounds. Wow. A lot of money that, in them days. It was a lot of money, but also my name's in the papers. I thought, wow, this is, I, I was just so thrilled. And then I started to send, photograph my children as they were like eating spaghetti and it's all down their faces and all kinds of, and then I sent it to Mother Magazine and various things. I'm still at home looking after the children. And then they were publishing my pictures and I thought, this is fantastic i don't have to leave the house i'm looking after four small children and and i'm doing something that i really love to do which is photographing them and and see your pictures in mother magazine and family doctor magazine and things like that just of the children and at this stage i'd never even heard of crystal palace football club wow so, so talking about palace so why palace okay so when my one of my sons, Martin Money, he has to take the whole full credit. We're walking back from school one day and I said, uh, what would you like to do for your birthday? And he said, can I go to the palace? And I thought, that's really weird. And I said, well, you, you can't be sure the Queen's going to be there. And he said, <laughs> not that palace, silly, I'm saying Crystal Palace. And I said, what's that? And he said, it's a football club. Now, you'd never believe it, but I lived in West Wickham, which wasn't that far, it's not like up north or something. But it has never come into my sphere of conversation or anything that there was a football club called Crystal Palace, strangely enough. And when he mentioned it, I said, oh my God, no, I can't take you, your father will have to take you. And I just had, I was horrified, the fact that it's a, it's a club, I don't know where it is, I've only just passed my driving test. And, and I couldn't deal with it, although I was the one that took the children to everything because of my husband's love of sport in his spare time. So I said to him, would you mind not playing? It was the overlapping season between the end of football and the beginning of cricket or the other way around. I said, would you mind not playing that day and just taking the boys to, to the football match? Because he Martin wants to go for his, for his uh, birthday treat. And, he, and I moaned and moaned and he moaned and eventually he agreed not to play the match and uh, and then he would take the children. So on the morning of the match, <laughs> I was excited. They got, they were so thrilled and I was thinking what a lovely day out for them. 
and the phone rang and uh, he walks back from the phone and he said, oh, my white's ready. And I said, why? Meaning his cricket gear. And he said, they're one man short. I'm going to have to play cricket today. And I said, but you swore to me, you promised you would take them to the football match. And he said, well, I can't let the team down. And he said, here's the tickets. Here's the A to Z. You take them. <laughs> We've all been there. Don't worry. Exactly. And I knew you'd laugh. I just knew the men amongst you would laugh. And which is what you didn't let me down there. So, so My, yeah. um. My mum took me to my first Palace game in 1976 and I think she found it a bit of a chore but she got to like it but I, I can imagine how you found it because as, as a seven-year-old stood at the front, I was passed down to the front of the home sales stand. It was a whole new world to me. It was all blokes. I heard language I'd never heard before. I mean, how was it for, for you? You the same age as Martin when I went to that match. Well, I was absolutely terrified because I had, as I say, I just passed my driving test. I knew there'd be lots of people. And you'd never believe it, but I had never even seen a game of football on the television because I hated it so much that I couldn't get my husband's attention. It's just sport, sport, sport. And the, the children will tell you even to this day, the minute it was on television, I'd go upstairs and do something else. I'd read a book. I'd go to the garden. I'd do anything because I couldn't bear the fact that it was just so noisy and so intrusive. So there was me going with all these kids. They were crying. I was so upset. And as soon as I found cement, I followed a whole queue of pit cars. That after once we got near Selhurst Park, I actually found a place to park, which is a miracle. <laughs> and from there on, this whole beautiful new world just, just like burst into colour. And it was so amazing and so joyful. And, of course, I had my camera with me. But I had, by this time, a Roliflex camera, which meant it took 12 exposures on a roll of film. And this, I don't know if you know the camera. You, have to, it's, you don't hold it up to your face. You have to look down into a little window and everything's back to, back to front. And you have to look downwards into this. You click up a little view thing. And you hold it at your waist and you look down into it. And so I took, I just fell in love with the whole scene, the colour, the noise, the, the atmosphere. And what surprised me was that there were children and old people and grandmas and families and young couples holding hands. I didn't know they all wore scarves and colourful clothes and, and I could smell the hot dogs. I could... I can't tell you the, the impact it had on me, even before I'd stepped into that stadium. Do you remember what where you were in the grounds on that I very exactly, first day? I know exactly where I was. I know 100% where I was. And it was so high up and it was so far away from the action. And But uh, it was, as you know, it was, um, if you'd read it in the book, it was Liverpool was playing Crystal Palace. And there were all the red shirts. And then when they played glad all over and they were thumping the advertising boards and the players came out of the tunnel, it was like a magical scene. It was just so amazing. I thought, what, where have I been all this time? How come I didn't know this existed? I thought it was just men. They just kicked the ball around. It was because I never, we never went with my husband to any football games where he didn't actually go to professional football because he played himself. He was a goalkeeper and in cricket, he was a wicket keeper. 
And Mondays and Fridays throughout the year, he played snooker. He apparently was really, really good at sports. So he didn't like running then. He was a wicketkeeper <laughs> and he was a goalkeeper. Well, my, yeah. my, my question as well, though, was, was sort of two-parted, even though you said you, you remember. But do you actually remember where, where you were, the, the, what stand you were in? Were you in the, yes, in the Holmesdale, the Arthur? I, or? I'd, be, I'd be in right, because, of course, in those days, I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know what the stands were called. But we were in what you'd call the, uh, not the Arthur, the opposite, the main stand, way at the back. Our seats were very high up. And the, the people on the pitch were so miniature, they were so tiny from where I was, obviously, from being so far away. But what I saw on that pitch visually was the action of the, where I'd seen my boys and all their friends playing football in the garden. You know how they'd leap up for the ball, they'd do overhead kicks and everything. When I saw professional people, and Jacko was in goal, I'll never forget how he just rose up amongst all this sea of body of people, he just rose up and plucked the ball from the air. And and his shirt was rippling and his hair was flying. It was visually so exciting. I just said, oh, my God. Then I saw people sitting by the side, and I said, I want to be there because everyone's in my way. Every time something exciting happened, they, they, everybody would leap up and get in my way. And I flex camera, and I'm looking down into it. And trying to focus, it was it was awful from that point of view. And I knew from that split second when the final whistle blew, I had got to go back and sit over there so these people aren't in my way and and take these photographs again. So, and, so, so how did you, you you obviously carried on going in and taking your own photos? How how did you? No, come, no, no become, I never come going at all. I, I never ever sat at, on the. Uh, on a seat from that day on. Wow. Because although I was this kind of timid housewife and, and I hadn't been out in the big wide world, I'd been looking after the family all those years. And I said, I've got to go, I've just got to go back and do and go and sit over there. So I kept making phone calls to the club and they said they'd call me back and they never did. So after about 10 days, I got in the car and I drove to the club and I walked into the uh, reception area and I'm so friendly with that girl who was the receptionist at the time and she couldn't believe it. I said, she said, can I help you? I said, yeah, um, I've been phoning the club but they're not calling me back. And I told her who I was. I just told her my name. And so she goes to the phone. I could, I could see her and I could hear her. And I heard her say... You know that woman with a funny name who keeps phoning up? <laughs> he said she's here in person. <laughs> and, and he said, send her off. I said, thank you. Like, I expected him to say that. It's mad, isn't it? Who and was I, it? It was Bert Head. Oh, wow. <laughs> Straight I, to the top. <laughs> I walked up to the steps and he was sitting there eating a bowl of soup. And, and he said, are you hot? Are you... Uh, I said, I'm high money. He's oh, I'm Bert Head, I'm the manager. And I said, he said, what could I do for you? I said, I want to be sitting on there and take some photographs. And he said, are you press? And I said, no. Are you Dadadani? I, I said no to everything. And I, he said, why do you want to do that? And I said, because I just have to. It was just so exciting. And all these people were in my way. And he called the 
the secretary of the club, and he said, for God's sake, give this woman a pass and get rid of her. <laughs> With a name like High Money and a cheek like yours, he said, just give her a pass and just get rid of her. I said, thank you. <laughs> That's a fantastic story. Absolutely brilliant. Never, and, the legend, and the legend was born. It never in a million years happened today. It would never have happened if I'd have gone maybe a week later. I don't know. But my enthusiasm was so strong. I think he, I think it bowled him over. I can't imagine why, but he just said, for God's sake, give her a pass and get rid of her. And about two years ago, I met this guy who was the secretary at the time, and they had a reunion at Palace. And I said, do you remember that? And I said, people don't believe that story. Yes. He said, I was there. He said, I know, because he said, for God's sake, give this woman a pass. I said, that's exactly right. And he said, that is true. That's exactly what happened. So what, what year would that have been, Hi? Do you know that was sometime in the 70s? Uh, so who was manager then? Bert Head. Bert Head, so, sorry, last, of course. It was his last year as manager. And then that was when Malcolm Allison took over. And now that's a really good story, the Malcolm Allison era. That That's when I first started going. I, I, I went in the season 76 where I, I still remember pleading with my mum to take me to Stamford Bridge to see the semi-final against Southampton but but she wouldn't she thought it'd be a bit too rough for a seven-year-old boy but what what a season to be there what what are your memories of uh Malcolm oh my gosh they're just massive well I what, how I got to carry on being the photographer there was that when when I turned up and I walked through the tunnel. I tried to look as much manly as possible, but I didn't have a bag. I, I bought three rolls of film, that's 36 altogether. I put them in the pram bag, which is ridiculous. And I think the only thing I could think of to put this in and a jumper, etc. And when I walked into, I was told I had to go into the press room. When I walked into the press room, it was full of obviously men, photographers and journalists, and they just fell about laughing to my face. They were saying, what well, you got in your bag, Dolly? You got your knitting with you? You got your crochet? And pause for laughter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, yeah, it, still, it still goes on now, I bet. Oh, yeah, exactly. But so I, I wasn't expecting it. I don't know why. I did not, ex I had no idea that women were not photographers in those days at football. I had no idea because I'd never seen it. All I was thinking is I'm going to be sitting there and I'm going to get really good action pictures without all these people in front of me jumping up and down. And there was one man knocked me over deliberately and he goes, sorry, sir, I didn't see you standing there. And everybody would just burst out laughing. They thought I was a joke. And I didn't care, funnily enough. I didn't take it personally because my passion and the anticipation of actually going sitting by that by the goal and taking photographs was just so immense and even my husband just couldn't believe it was true he said can't you get into your thick head you're just a housewife why do you think they're going to give you a pass that's what i lost all they've got to say is no <laughs> indeed but did you get a reaction from the crowd when you went and sat next to the goal or near yes. the goal but that surprised me as well because i thought look i'm Five foot nothing, I wear glasses, I'm the mother of four children. What are they all making these funny noises for? And I'm looking around saying, what's happening? And it was for me. And I was, I think, I just thought they thought I was a bit of a joke. But it's, it turns out that they didn't think I was a joke. I thought, I thought for many years that 
the noises the crowds made when I walked almost they were just making fun of me but I didn't care but I've learned later over the years that wow look that's high money well once they got to know my name and and they weren't making fun of me they were kind of encouraging me which is quite sweet but I, I didn't know that at the time so it was like a like a um just an acceptance that's it. It was like I was a sort of mascot. I, I don't know why, but I, whether because it was unique. And then I went and bought that special jacket with, because I, it was really cold when I when the winter came. And I remember photographers were saying, oh, you wait till the winter comes and all your mascara runs and your hair. I said, I've never worn mascara and I'm not caring about my hair. And then they would just make all these jibes about me. They'd, I'd be sitting on the touchline, they'd say, here, I mean, look at the shoes she's wearing. And they talk about me over, over me sitting there. And they'd be laughing their heads off at me, making fun of me. And I just had to sit there and, and tolerate it. Because what could I do? I couldn't say, just mind your own business or just leave me alone. Because they weren't going to leave me alone until they realized I wasn't going to go away. They thought they would bully me out of the, out of the um, arena. But... They didn't realise how much this was passion of mine, sports photography. Do you, do you think they were worried then, having a woman amongst their midst that could possibly do the job better than them? Well, I tell you what people have said to me, like a few years down the line, they were saying, the reason they're picking on you all the time is because they're worried that you're good. If they thought I was just a, a woman with, you know, with, a pretty young 20 odd year or something hello darling can I carry your bags for you could I do they treat it differently but they saw that they I think I was told and and I believe it to be true that they saw that I wasn't going to go away and I was really getting good at what I was doing because I was then giving pictures to Crystal Palace and they were using them in their programs and and they put my name in the program and it was just wow this is considering I've never had a lesson in my life uh, on photography it was I was like born to be an action photographer it just came out of my pores if you know what I mean I don't mean my hand pores but the pores of my skin so you're, you're like Jimi Hendrix self-taught and it's kind of you know it's you, you just do what what's coming naturally for you it, it's like it's, an extension of you uh, yeah, my camera is an extension of me people are sick of oh my god she's brought a camera with her uh, <laughs> it was I was in a Sunday afternoon and I was doing dinner for the family and the, somebody from the palace rang me let me go before that the first time I ever had a phone call from Crystal Palace normally they just said oh that little lady with the glasses you know just oh hi money she's she's just taking the photos and didn't I didn't make an impact or anything and then one day I got a phone call to say uh, I think it was Everton, uh, Everton were playing at Palace and there was a very rough game and lots of injuries. Alan Whittle was there as well. I remember that little, little blonde bloke. And the, the next morning, there was, there, I got a phone call and said, it's, uh, could you get down to the club and um, can take some photographs down to the club? And I thought, well, it's Sunday. That's strange. So uh, I drove down there. And I, I stood at the entrance of the, of the corridor and some guy said, can I help you? I said, oh, um, I've been asked by Palace to come and take some photographs in the dressing room. And, he, and I heard him shout, the photographer's arrived. And then somebody shouts back, send him in. 
<laughs> well, go, going back to that that sort of era, um, what do you remember most about the club at the time? And and you've talked about Malcolm Allison, but but what personalities stood out for you? Well, let me tell you about this one because when I walked into that dressing room, they were not expecting a female photographer, and there was a state of undress all the way around. And there were injuries. You've never seen anything like it. It was like a war zone. And the first thing I had to photograph was John Jackson's thighs, the inside of his thighs. They were so kicked and they were so bruised that and then he hadn't realised that it was going to be a female photographer. So everybody's readjusting their clothing and things. <laughs> <laughs> so to get back to the day Malcolm Allison arrived, it was the best ever day at Crystal Palace for me as a photographer, because I had never, ever seen so many press photographers at Palace as as this was on that day. The place was swarming with the press, lighting. There'd never been anything so, and I'd never even heard of Malcolm Allison. And then they, the door swung open and somebody held the door open and this guy walks in and he had such charisma and charm. And Bert Head was standing in the corner there and, and I photographed the whole episode from the time he walked in, shaking hands. And, and Bert Head's daughter was working there, and I saw her in the corner crying. And after all the, con- the confusion died on, I said, what's the problem? And she said, he's supposed to be the assistant manager, but I know that my dad's going to get kicked out. And that's exactly what happened. And from then on, the Allison era was the best time ever, photography-wise. Such fun with Fiona Richmond and all that kind of stuff going on. What What were your favourite photos around that time that, that you've taken? You know, and but we'll talk about. You. In fact, let's talk about your book now. You, you released, but when when did you release the book? High on High, High Money on Palace. It was, I think, it was about ten years ago. Yeah. Um, I can't remember much about that time, but I know that's when all the trouble started. When I was kind of banned from the club and all the rest of it. But they've reinstated me in a because of Malcolm Allison from the grave. Thank you, Malcolm. But what has happened is they've they've opened a new lounge at Palace called the Allison Lounge, and they needed photographs to adorn all the walls. And I'm the one that's got all the his whole era at Palace, and I've got the whole collection. So they've asked, approached me to use all the photographs. So I've kind of brought back into the club. Oh, that's lovely. So, so um, have you got a favourite from the, the Allison era? Yeah, I, I really like, well, I, I walked into his office one day and I was doing some photographs of the programme and I asked him if he would just sit, he was sitting at his desk and I said, could you put your feet up on the desk, please? And he said, what? I said, uh, but he knew I was coming to take the photographs and he had his fedora there and the cigar. And I said, could you just put your feet up on the desk and cross your ankles over and and... I was just telling this big guy what to do and could you do this and could you light up your cigar and and, and there was just him and me in his office and I was posing him and and I think it's on um, the, the front of the palace calendar but that's my favourite picture of Malcolm Allison it's just the fact that he would just let, let me do what he wanted you know he was just following my instructions and yeah what what players were a delight to, to photograph because obviously you've in that time, I, I can remember seeing George Best playing for Fulham, and there were a few from the 60s that were, were kind of real heroes for my dad that I saw the tail end of. Were there, were there any footballers that you took great photos? I like to wingers. Uh, am I using the right term? There's yep. guys that would come winging down the, 
and Deccan and Durgan and Deccan and I'm getting to getting to the point where they could score a goal. It was really exciting to, to watch them. They had this kind of low central gravity. They could uh, duck and dive and swerve away and, and at such speed and how they could read the game. And as a photographer, you don't know whether to concentrate on the, the player that's that's going to kick the ball, the goalkeeper who's just going to fly through the air and save it. You've got to make snap decisions as the game is is progressing. And that's really interesting where you have to, 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 jump, to be one jump ahead of what's going to happen. I think that's the secret of a really good action photograph. Yeah, I mean, is that is that the sort of advice you give to anybody who was who was starting out, or? Yeah, because people, even from America and all over the world, they must Google fem- first female sports photographer or something, and they my contact details are there, and they say, "Could you? I'm just at the university. I want to be a sports photographer. Could you give me advice?" And the advice I could give today is. I don't, they don't need my advice today because things have changed so much. They've got equal rights with the, with the men photographers. They've got cameras that do, you could just press it on continuous and go boom, boom, boom in a few seconds and you could take several images at the same time. Not like in my day where you had to prejudge what might happen. You've got to be a thousandth of a second and you've just got to click at that right moment. There was no rapid firing or... Uh, stuff like that. So the day, and there's no, uh, nobody's against women photographers, or well, they probably are secretly, but they don't, they are not allowed to show it. <laughs> yes, so from the photography point of view, you, you asked earlier on, uh, when I was doing film using actual celluloid film, you had to uh, Go for instance, if it was you start off and it's it's a night kickoff, and then you've got to change the ASA rating, photography wise. Then you've got to, if the floodlights come on, and then don't forget in that low lighting, you've got to do a thousand of a second action photographs to capture that split second. Then I'd drive home, I'd go to my dark room, you'd have to make up the chemicals to develop the films. You've got to make a little bit warmer than 68 degrees because you've got to. You've got to soup it up a bit to get some body into the negatives. If this is photography, but today it's just so easy. You just whatever the camera does everything for you. If it, it compensates for the light and so do you. So do you ever take an old camera or an oldish camera to to football or to anywhere and and use that rather than just pull out an iPhone and and snap away? Are, are you are you sort of like a purist no no I, I don't use iphones for photography i can't do it. it has to the camera has to come up to my eye i can't hold my hand out and look at the thing i cannot look it i can't i can't it has to come i can't look at the back of a camera it has to touch my face in other words i have to use a view viewfinder. i have to look through it even if there's a camera where you could have a choice you could either look hold it straight ahead of you and look at the back of it or you could put your eye to the uh, actually touching your face. That's the only way I could take photographs. So do you do you do you still have a dark room? I still have a dark room. Yes. Oh, well, and you and you, you so you still use it. You still develop photos. No, I don't do it anymore. Okay. I don't develop it. But what I'm doing is trying to get an archive going, and you know to get the high on Palace book. It was such a chore because everything was in negatives. And nothing had an envelope on the envelope. Nothing had 
something that says Crystal Palace v Man United, the date. Everything just got chucked into bags. I picked up what I needed for the Palace programme or for the newspaper and then just chucked it away. I don't mean away, but they would just be put away, like in carrier bags. So when the High on Palace book was in progress, I had to look through millions of negatives. It sounds like my old cassette tape collection. I didn't know what was on anything. I didn't write on them. It was, it was awful trying to find one. I know. I can remember what, what film it was on or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about photos that you develop. Because when people talk about vinyl versus CD, the digital versus the analogue, are the, are the photos as good a quality now on digital than they, they would have been using the old way? I suppose I suppose they are because they are true, more true to life in that the colours are correct and everything. But But when I look at black and white photographs, which I'm doing all the time, there is so much, you want to look into the image more, whereas you just look at, look at a colour picture and think, oh, that's good. But if you look at a black and white, you notice more, you're, you're drawn to it more. And could I tell you how in, in the old days you would have to, I would have to go home and develop the pictures and pick up the one match that one, the goal that scored or somebody's had his arm broken or some highlight of that particular match, then I would have to, make the chemical 68 degrees, da, 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 I'll get it all ready. Then I'd have to print it. Then I'd get my hairdryer and I'd dry it with a hairdryer. And then I'd get it in the car and I'd drive to Fleet Street and leave it at the desk. Could you imagine that? Today, it's just done on the side of the pitch. Boom, boom, job done. That's how much has changed. Almost too easy. Jill? Yeah, just just flipping back to you know because myself and Nick we like to go backwards and forwards instead of just keep something in a straight line, um, which drives our other producers um, up the wall really. But so, so you you said you, your 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 favourite era for for Palace was was the was the Malcolm Allison era and and uh, you, you took some of your favourite photographs there outside of Palace. I mean, I, I, I you know I've looked at. Um, a, a small bio of you know theatre politics, uh, politics and, and and corporate functions. You know I've been looking at pictures of Aussie Ardeles and you know obviously you do, you do Spurs stuff as well. So uh, no, and, and even royal occasions. So no, I don't do Spurs stuff. It just so happens that uh, I was involved in doing the Kenny Sansom film, and then they were saying, "Oh, we're doing some of Aussie Ardeles," which is which was went out last week. And they, I said, oh, I've got some great black and white photographs of Ozzy Ardelos and Via. And that's how I got involved. But I don't go to Spurs at all. No, I'm Palace through and through. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I just... I just... <laughs> no, but I, yeah. I, I do actually... I get invited to all kinds of places now to take photographs. But uh, my, my Alison era was my favourite. But since I have been reinstated uh, since the beginning of the season, thank you, Malcolm, again... Uh, I have loved, absolutely loved this season because I had no idea, I honestly had no idea how the Palace fans felt about me and my High on Palace book and about how they grew up as young lads watching me on the pitch and, and their dads used, used to go up with their dads sitting on their dad's shoulders and everything. But I, I had no idea that I am so much part of the Palace family life, which... I'm glad that the book was banned, like from the palace, for about ten years, 
because had it been sold in the club shop for years and years and years, it would have been, I would never have known because there's no social media then. But because it's been reinstated, well, not reinstated, it's been allowed in the club shop for the first time. And then people are talking about it and and so forth. It has brought me so much closer to the fans and to the club, to the atmosphere of what it is to be a Crystal Palace supporter. Before, I was, I just did my job and I put pictures in the newspapers or the programmes. But I'm so glad that I was kind of banned in a way. Because now, 10 years down the line, it must be about 10 years since Palace came out, and because they used my pictures of Alison, they could not just use them and not pay me, which they didn't want to do, without saying, well, at least give me a ticket, free ticket to the match. And there was a lot of negotiations going on. Yeah. And let me sit where there's nobody in the way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get away with that one this time? Exactly. So, so, they, so I'm kind of back in the palace fold, and I yeah. can't tell you how much joy and pleasure I have had since that day. They they gave me two tickets to go to the match, but I'm not allowed in the Allison Lounge now. But you know, with all my tickets, all my photographs adorning every square inch of the walls. But um, it's it was it's been so fabulous, and as I. I remember seeing you, it was the day before the Lloyds protest when Crystal Palace were minutes away from actually going into liquidation. And I remember you being outside the ground, you had a, a white cardigan on and you were taking lots and lots of photos there. But you were really, really involved, geeing people up. And um, that that's the first time I actually, I'd, I'd heard about the book, but it was the first time I'd, I'd really seen you. Um, what do you remember about that time? Oh, I was passionate. Was awful, I was it? really, really passionate about the fact that Palace were going to go, just not exist. I, I, I just couldn't bear the thought of it. So I was just kind of rallying the troops in my own little way. I remember standing on a wall like I was, like I was one of the suffragettes. It's ridiculous. It's, I can't believe I did that. Saying, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to cheer. We can't let the club go down the drain and. Yeah, it was passionate times, wasn't it? Well, I've, I've been on a fair few demos and it looked like that you had as well. So you did well, <laughs> day, I think. <laughs> I that was my, my first demo. Yeah, but it, it shows the passion and it shows how Palace still today actually are a, a real community club, aren't they? And I, I think that that's what sets us apart from other teams. I know I'm a, I've got red, red and blue tinted glasses on, but it's it's always been like that especially when we were going through the dark times the different chairman and and different uh, managers do you think they changed the atmosphere around yes, the club much, or is it well it changed my my whole life at crystal palace changed when the simon jordan era came because i knew i mean i have actually i've actually known aj wait i've been to his home i've had dinner with them and uh i, I, I knew uh What's, what's the next one who came along after him? I can see his face. I can't think of his name. Goldberg. Who? who? Sorry. Mark Goldberg. No, 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 no. The one before him. Uh, he used to sell meat as a living. Mm. The one who took after after AJ Ray's. And then there came Ron Nodes. The Ron Nodes era was fantastic time for me, because it was. It then be, do, do you would realise before Ron Nodes came to Palace. That men's uh, the uh, the boardroom was for women only, 
even the day Palace got promotion, etc., that women knew they'd have to be good. That the boardroom women, I don't, I don't mean your hoi polloi women like us, but the wives and, and, and the boardroom uh, family, would, the women had to be in a little tiny room. They would drink their champagne and, and I'd go and take their photographs and they knew that was their place. They stayed in that little room. When Ron Nodes, because no women were allowed in the boardroom, when Ron Nodes came along and he had his wife Novello and she had this newborn baby and the kids would run around with her other children and it was it all became very family orientated from then on it wasn't so kind of rigid this is a man's domain uh, uh, some people said those kids were running riot but but it was great it was great to see it, it was just full of children and families and grandmas and everything sounds like kids just being kids Exactly. And, and <laughs> if, if you own the club, why shouldn't you let your wife and kids come into the boardroom and eat all the good sandwiches and drink the champagne? I don't mean the kids, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so, that, so it, was, it was when the, the other Simon Jordan came in and the book came out and, and it all became very horrible. But then it's uh, Malcolm Allison from The Grave has got me the tickets back and an entrance into the club again. And I have loved the season so much. I, I've just had such a good time. Every single match day, instead of sitting at home feeling I wish I was there, uh, I, 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 I'm part of it now. People see right. me arrive and they say, hello, hi, da-da-da. And it's, it's just it's so lovely. I've enjoyed it so much. So, so, so have you made your peace with Simon Jordan? Well, Simon Jordan doesn't care about me anymore because he's gone, but whoever's was the but the, but in this in this age of, of of social media i mean simon's back on you know he's the last few months he's come back on twitter and or he's on twitter and he's and he's uh you know he's being as as controversial as as ever i didn't know whether you had any contact with him or it, it, no it, it, he's not the problem it is the well anyway the person who was involved is still at the club okay. and so i and he still has the knives out. But if they wanted the Allison pictures badly enough and they weren't going to give me any money, you, you can't just take it off me because I was always freelance and it was my property. So, you know, you want the pictures, you either pay me or you just give me a ticket to the match. Nothing wrong with that. Well, I think fair dues. <laughs> yeah, fair dues. So you, you did, did you get season tickets out of it or did you did you just get... No, 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 the season tickets, but halfway through the, well, not even halfway through, about a few weeks down the line, the, the guy who was the interior designer who knew nothing about the history of High on Palace, never heard of me, nothing. He was an interior designer. He had to design the new Allison Lounge to make it look art deco, to make it look like the Panthers are paying a lot of money to, to become a member of the vice president, whatever it's called, and therefore... He wanted to make it look very modern, and they're calling it the Allison Lounge, so why not have Allison pictures? So he didn't realise all the stress that was going on in the background for so many years, and innocently he just approached me, and and eventually he said, it's only fair that you should get the tickets. And then about three months into the season, he handed in his notice and left. Oh. And, then the, and then the ticket for were in their suspension etc so 
I was thinking, do I get a removal van and nick every single picture of <laughs> There's always skullduggery behind the scenes with Palace. There's always bickering, always. It's but it's all but it's all sorted now, though, isn't it? No, it's, it's it had to be in the end because. But then there's next season, and I'm just wanting. I want my tickets back for next season because the pictures are still on the wall. And I'm not kidding. You have you you have to walk in and see that the photographs. There's there's hardly a square inch without the covering photograph. Can I tell you a lovely story? Okay, a few couple of months ago, I was at the Palace training ground to photograph the man who was cycling to every single away game. I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah, I've seen him, yeah. Some 5,000 out of 7,000 miles, yeah. Okay, so he asked me if I would go to the club. I said, are you sure uh, he's in photograph him with the team? And I said, tell them it's high money because you, you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be allowed. So he checked and he said, yeah, it's fine. I said, well, that's, that's okay. So I went down there and the manager... Sam, he 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 was he left the training. They, everyone was training. He climbed over the fence and he came and spoke to, what's the guy's name with the bicycle? Uh, the one who was cycling. I, I can't think of his name now. It's horrible. Yeah. Anyway, he 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 came to talk to him, and and uh, we were ch- they were chatting, and I was standing right next to him. So I said, Sam, if I were to give you a copy on High on Palace, would you accept it? And he said, what's it about then? I said, it's about Crystal Palace. I said, I, I was like 30 years involved with Crystal Palace. And he said, how long did it take you to write it? I said, it's not a writing book. It's a book of photographs. It goes from the Birdhead days to Malcolm Allison. And then this is the lovely bit. He goes, oh, they got some cracking pictures of Malcolm Allison down at the club. He said, <laughs> He said he couldn't come training here the other day, so we had to train down at the club. And we all went up for lunch uh, into the Allison Lounge. Oh, God, they've got some cracking pictures. And and the players, they love them. And then he's going, like, pointing his hand out as though he's standing in front of the image. And he's going, I know that one. I remember that. And I was looking at this guy with the bicycle. And he was looking at me. We were like... Stephen Stephen Kingdom, his name is. Well done, Joe. Stephen, thank you, please. Please don't record that where I don't remember his name. Yeah, so if you, so Stephen and I were looking at each other and smiling, and I was about to say, <clears throat> it's me, I was the one that took those photographs, because he hadn't got a clue, obviously, who I am. And just then, all the team came off and had to, uh, were ready for that photograph, so I didn't have a chance to tell him. But that was that really lovely moment where he knew nothing about me, but he was just saying how fantastic those Allison pictures were. Oh, they got some cracking pictures done at the club of Allison. And whilst, uh, whilst that was we're here, sorry, I'll just say that um, he has got a just giving page. Okay, and Stephen's just giving page is www.justgiving.com slash fundraising slash cycling the season. That's all one word. Um, so, yeah, I've just been looking at that photo. Um, that photograph with all the team. Yeah, I've just been looking at that on uh, on the Crystal Palace site. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, we're coming up to nearly the hour. Um, you've you've taken, photo- uh, taken photos outside of football. Any, any particular favourites? Any particular memories of taking photos? Yes, of course. Being in the ring with Muhammad Ali. Uh, <gasps> I photographed Muhammad Ali. I photographed boxing, snooker, tennis. I was in centre court taking photographs when McEnroe was having a temper tantrum and saying, you cannot be serious. Really? Wow. He won his very first 
World Snooker Championship. And he and he was just standing there, tears running down his face, and went and hugged his mum and dad. Uh, you know, it's huge moments of sport I have been because after I got well, well established, I decided during the close season, why don't I try doing doing tennis? So I applied for a pass. I got the pass, and the first time I ever went to Wimbledon, it was bucketing with rain and I went into the press room and I was so nervous and I saw the entire Fleet Street mob as I call them sitting there playing cards at a table and I, I was looking around to say any friends here I was I felt so scared I went and got myself a cup of tea and I went to look out to the window and uh, an American a guy with American accent came and said what have you done to upset these guys and I said what what guys and he looked around he said I heard them say, if she as much as sets foot on the centre court, we'll stage a mass walkout. Said, what have you done to upset them? And they were happy eventually that they put up with me at football. But now I'm branching into Wimbledon tennis. And of course, I looked out of the window and I just so scared. I just didn't know what to do. And it was pouring with rain. So I just picked up my bags and I walked out like a little coward. Because you're, no. you're so, so you so you were bullied by the press then. I was bullied constantly. I can't even tell you how many incidents. I could tell you the time even Brian Clough ordered me off the pitch at Palace, and he's AU with the glasses. And I looked around. I'm sitting on my little box with a official bib, and he said, "You with the glasses, get off." I said, "What?" He said, "Get off, get off the pitch." And I said, "Look, point you to the bib. Look, this is me. I, I'm official." Then he calls the steward, and the steward said, he said, get her off. So the steward comes, hi, could you go? Now, all the crowds behind, they recognize, they know what's going on, and they're all booing. And, and then it was in the days of Terry Venables, and he, Terry Venables said, what's going on there then? And he said, get her off. And Terry said, no, just stay where you are. And Brian Clough said, ooh, it's like that, is it, between you two? So, you know, he, he actually told me to get off because he said it's no place for a woman. Oh, and Bill Nicholson saw me walk through with an official bib, and he's uh, before the match started. He says, "Hey, you, what are you doing here? This ain't a bleeding circus." And oh I, dear! I pointed, he said, "No, you're not allowed on." I said, "This ain't a bleeding circus." He didn't say bleeding. Then he said, "The only way you're allowed on this pitch." I said, "Look, I've got a photographer's pass." He said, the only way you're allowed is if you sit behind the advertising board so we can't see you. And, and the stewards forced me to sit on my little camera box behind the advertising boards so that uh, they, they wouldn't upset Bill Nicholson. And I, my can, last, um, my I can see a little mini-series in this, Hi. We can have uh, bastards in football. We can do a five-minute slot every week and you can say, <laughs> um, did you know about? <laughs> and I, you can I, cut out something else, but I need to tell you about the time I got my very first photographer's pass to Wembley Stadium. Kenny Sansom was playing in a in a match, and therefore I was he was from Palace, so I had the right to apply for a pass. I got a pass in the post. I took my children with me. I bought tickets, side high money on the check, set, settled them in to the entrance, and I said, whatever you do after the match, be here waiting for me. Don't go anywhere else. Then I had to go looking around the arena. Where's the photographer's entrance? I found it. And the guy said, what we got here? We got a bleeding woman here. No, he said a bird. We got a bleeding bird here. And, and I showed him my past with my name. And he said, you're joking, mate. He said, ain't there anywhere sacred where you women don't want to stick your noses in? 
on the sacred turf of Wembley. And I said, could you let me in, please? I've got a photographer's pass. Now, in the meantime, these photographers are passing by. They could see the altercation. I'm looking at them as though to say, please back me up here. And they just smirked and walked in. And I, I was left out of the arena the entire match because he wouldn't let me in. And I had to sit outside the stadium. And this is why, after that match, I applied to join the National Union of Journalists, which I qualified for in every single way. I ticked every box. I sent away the application. The, the Representative Sports Photographers Association banned my entry on the grounds I was taking men's work away from them. I only ever went to football because I wanted to take my children with me, blah, blah. I've still got all the letters. And so they refused my entry. So I had to go to a solicitor, pay a solicitor and say, look, I've ticked off every box. I've earned the right money. I've had publications for the right amount of years. I want my union card. The men cannot stop me from going in. So they sent the letter and they accepted me as a member of the National Union of Journalists. But then I got a, a little phone call to say, don't quote me on this. But the guy who represented the Sports Photographers Association has left this building foaming at the mouth because he didn't. they didn't win. So how about that? Well, we'll have times have changed, thank goodness, eh? Wow. That was a... Uh... All right, so, so this is... Because I always like the, 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 the highs and the lows. So the, who's the most... I know you said Muhammad Ali... Is he the most famous person you've you've photographed? I photographed the Queen. I photographed Elizabeth Till. I photographed movie stars. I photographed Kennedys at Number Ten Downing Street. I've I've just had the most colourful life in my camera. But how, how do you get how do you get the, the invitation to photograph the Kennedys? Well, it, he happened to be a visitor at Number Ten Downing Street, and in those days, photographers, if you were I had a union card. You could stand outside number 10 Downing Street. And then they were clicking away. And then, he's, then he goes, gentlemen, gentlemen, like, like he's had enough. They were clicking. And I went <clears throat> like this. And he, because I was thinking, uh, I'm not one of the gentlemen. So he, he, he saw that I was not one of the gentlemen. And he's, oh, hi. And I said, how did you know my name? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So you even got to you got you got to speak to him as well. Oh, fantastic! But I'm is... oh, I even became the official photographer of the first ever members of Parliament football team called the Westminster Wobblers, and I arranged for them to play at Crystal Palace. I did all myself, and they invited me to the House of Parliament and everything. And do you know how that happened? Because somebody uh, from the showbiz team they were playing against. I used to be the showbiz photographer uh, of. Not showbiz, top of it, showbiz 11. They called themselves the top 10 11. And uh, I had to phone number 10 Downing Street. And the guy said, uh, I got the press office. And he goes, um, it, I said, this is high money. Da, da, da. And he goes, why don't you support a proper club like Millwall? <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, he knows who I am. And uh, so that's... words, though, isn't it, really? It's, it's just the name High Money. It's kind of unforgettable in a strange way, isn't it? Well, well look, Hi, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Um, we've, we've gone a little bit over an hour. Um, it would be wonderful if perhaps we could get together another time and um, talk a little bit more about um, your career. Um, 
it's been absolutely brilliant listening to you. Um, learned so many things. Uh, it's been one of my favourite interviews what I've ever done. I've done quite a few. Um, you flatter you? <laughs> no, no, I'm just trying to get you back on. Um, Joe, any any last things to say before we say goodbye? No, no, I'm just just it's been a privilege. You know, we we get to meet a lot of people. I get to talk to a lot of people. You know, within Palace over over the years, and in in an hour, well, I don't think we've even you know we've not scratched the surface. So it'd be nice to have a chat you know at another time but it's, it's been really really nice for you to come on and and, and give us your time and, and i'm sure that the that the listeners will appreciate it you know thanks very much oh, thank you could i just say this last season has been the best best time i have loved it so much and thank you malcolm allison for all the times you've allowed me to take photographs because after all this time it's paid off i'm back in the club again and it's just been the best time. And I'm just hoping that they're going to honour it again. But uh, thank you to all the fans who have been so fabulous to me. They made me feel really special and loved and the legend that they say I am. <laughs> um, well, well, thanks to you for providing you know, such memories. Thanks to the dog for interrupting there. I've kept him quiet for an hour. Um, <laughs> we'll keep this in in true home sale radio style. <laughs> Um, where can they, they find your stuff online, hi? I've got a website, www.highmoney.co.uk. Thank you so much for taking time to talk about my connection with Palace and photography. It's been yeah. such a fabulous time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.